The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and I am the gatekeeper for this weekly celebration of anything and everything soap that takes place here every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Nine months down, three months to go, and then we're done with 2013. I think I say this on the last show of every month, but I have no idea where the time is going, particularly this year, because before you know it, we're going to be doing our year-end, year-in-review shows with the best and the worst of the year gone by. I know that I always look forward to that, but of course, it also means that it's cold and dark and wintry, so that's not always a good, uh, good thing. But there's a very interesting topic that we're going to be discussing on today's show. Sometimes you know that we have a tendency to go to the soapy goodness that we all know and love. But coming up in just a few moments, we'll be taking a serious look at the way that mental health issues are portrayed in television and film. Dr. David Brendel will be here to talk about substance abuse, personality disorders, and bipolar disorder, things that are all on our favorite soaps. And I thought it would be interesting to find out how they are portrayed on these shows and sort of what comparisons there are to real life. Are they accurate? Are they not? We're about to find out. It should be a very informative segment. And we're also going to be taking your calls during this hour to talk about your favorite soaps. It's what we do every week. But this week we want to find out what you love. Do you have a favorite character, a favorite couple, a storyline, an actor, anything that you want to talk about? We'll talk about anything and everything soap, except maybe Lever 2000. But, you know, if you want to call in and talk about that, I'm sure we can find a way to work it into the discussion as well. All you have to do to be part of our show is to pick up your phone and dial in to 866-472-5788. Again, the number is 866-472-5788. If for some reason you cannot make it to the phone, perhaps you're too busy counting your alters, you can also share your comments and questions on Twitter at Soap Central. We've also started a comment thread on our official Facebook page, so you can pop on over there to facebook.com slash soapcentral to post your thoughts and comments or questions if for some reason, as I said, you do not want to call into the show. Maybe you're at work and, and sneaking a listen. For longtime listeners, you probably already know this, but if you're new to SoapCentral.com and Soap Central Live, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, uh, I planned to be a doctor. And while I did not finish med school in the interest of disclosure, I still do like to play doctor. And no, no, not like that. I'm talking in a, a serious way because I'm fascinated with medicine. And when a soap touches on a storyline that involves a health crisis, I like to bring on an expert who can talk to us about it in more detail and quite possibly give us some information that we can then use 
to, if need be, perhaps talk to our own personal doctor to get additional information. So my first guest this week is a Boston-based psychiatrist who, in his private practice, provides consultation and treatments for adults with depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, personality disorders, eating disorders, substance abuse, and psychosis. He would make a mint if he lived in some of our favorite fictional soap towns. But... He's not there. He's with us today. Dr. David Brendel received his BA, summa cum laude, from Yale, his MD from Harvard Medical School, and a PhD in philosophy from the University of Chicago. He's also the author of Healing Psychiatry, Bridging the Science-Humanism Divide, published by MIT Press. I'm not sure that he ever expected to be using all that education to help us analyze our wacky soap characters, but we're happy to have him here today. Anyway, Dr. Brendel, welcome to Soap Central Live. Well, Dan, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be part of the show. Well, I'm glad that you're here. As I mentioned in your introduction, you have more degrees in a thermometer, so I want to let you give a, a brief bio to the folks who are listening so they can know a little bit about you before we go into talking about some fictional and some very real topics today. Well, uh, well, as I'm sure your listeners know, I spent way too much time in school <laughs> in my life <laughs> and uh, you know, have spent the last... Um, 10 or 15 years trying to unlearn everything that I <laughs> learned in medical school and okay. in all my other schooling. Um, but in, you know, in seriousness, I, I, I love being a psychiatrist. I also do a lot of work in business and executive coaching, um, which gets me out of the office a bit, although I'm often dealing with some, of this, some very similar issues about you know, people overcoming struggles and uh, reaching their full potential. So I'm, I'm very energized by the work, and um, I'm really excited to think with you about the overlap between the uh, the world on the television and the world of fantasy and how things sometimes play out in the all-too-real world. When I posted that you were going to be a guest here on the show on some of our social media websites, I have to tell you that there was a surprisingly large response from people who were either dealing with some of these issues firsthand or maybe have a loved one who's dealing with some sort of, of mental health issues. So overall, I guess the first question that I would have for you is how do you think that the entertainment industry fares when it portrays mental illnesses? And is that even what we should be referring to? Should we be calling it a mental illness? Uh, I, I think that's still a fair term, a mental illness, a, a mental disorder or psychiatric disorder. Uh, I, I think that terminology is fine. I think the uh, one of the sad realities remains that the these issues remain um, kind of closeted and stigmatized and uh, misunderstood in many ways. Uh, my, my sense is that the enter- entertainment industry has made um, you know some major strides in uh, understanding how to portray these conditions in uh, you know realistic terms and in respectful terms to the people that are that are suffering with the illnesses. Uh, and, uh, and the very kind of dialogue that you're, that you're promoting now, I think, is, is what can help that continue to move forward. Um, I respect the fantasy world as something in itself. I don't think that every movie or TV show or, you know, whatever kind of media we're talking about, I don't think that it always and invariably has to show illnesses uh, in exactly the terms that they present themselves. There's something to be said for pure fantasy. Um, At the same time, I think the entertainment industry can show some responsibility and take the lead on educating 
people about these very common, very devastating illnesses that have been misunderstood for so long. So I, I see both sides of that, and I'm, I'm excited to think it through with you some more. Well, because I think for me, and I, I sort of feel bad saying this when we're, we're looking in depth, a lot of my favorite characters, particularly on soaps, are the ones who, if you'll pardon the term, are seen as crazy. You know, they're doing all the things that we know that they shouldn't do. They're, you know, running around, stealing people's identities and throwing them in mine shafts, all that other stuff. It makes for great television. But do you think that that does foster some of the stigma that you talked about where there are still a, a lot of people who see having some sort of, of, of a mental illness or uh, other issue as being a sign of weakness or a sign of failure? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question. I, I, I would say I, I share with you the uh, the idea that some of my favorite people are people who are labeled as crazy, <laughs> uh, and I'm talking about in the real world. So, um, you know, whether I'm thinking about my personal life or in, in my practice, um, you know, pe- people that um, come with uh, bizarre thinking, delusional thoughts, uh, um, mania, um, they're they're often in- incredibly interesting and creative people. Um, at the same time, they're really, uh, in many or most cases, um, suffering and, and uh, need some help and, and compassion. Um, I think one of the things about mental illness that's so important to point out is it's, it's incredibly common. At least 20% of people in their lifetimes in, in the U.S. will suffer with uh, major depression, about an equal percentage with anxiety. Several percent of the population uh, is is bipolar. Uh, at least one percent has schizophrenia and is severely psychotic. Uh, and then, if you think about um, all of the friends and loved ones of those people, uh, it touches everybody's lives in in some way. Um, so it it really is very much a part of the the fabric of life. And for so many years, it's been um, misunderstood and. People have tried to tuck it away, and there is much more dialogue and understanding now uh, about the conditions. Those are uh, some incredibly sizable percentages. So one of the things to shift slightly from the the fantasy aspect of television to something that is very real world, earlier this month we witnessed yet another senseless and horrific shooting, and it seems as always the case when these are happening there are media reports directly after the fact that say, uh, you know, the, the person involved in these shootings was deranged, was the word that was used uh, for the most recent shooting in D.C., or that there were all of these red flags and warning signs that people were missed. So I guess in your professional opinion, what I want to know, why does it seem that there are so many more people who are maybe not getting the care or help that they need? Or is that my sort of misconception because it's being played out so much on the media you know, I don't want to think that we're turning a blind eye as a society here, but, uh, you know, I, I can't really say what the case is. You know, they're great questions. They're questions I, I ask myself, and I, I don't know that any anybody has a, has a definitive answer to those questions. There, there are certainly cases where uh, people who, you know, lose it in public and uh, create havoc and these just ghastly scenes of, you know, senseless death, uh, are people that have a diagnosable mental illness that probably could have been treated with um, with medications or the right um, psychotherapeutic uh, approach, 
uh, and either it was not available to them or they couldn't afford it or they chose not to avail themselves of it. Uh, and, and, and that's all true. At the same time, um, we have to be really careful about developing uh, further stigma or fear about people with mental illness. The vast majority of people with mental illness are nonviolent. In fact, um, they're the people who are most scared. Uh, they're mm-hmm. often um, homeless, mentally ill, substance abusing. Um, they're, they're afraid of getting uh, assaulted, robbed, raped in, in shelters. So uh, that, that's, one, that's one aspect of it. People, people with mental illness are usually more fearful and uh, more at risk of violence than most people in our society. And there's not a lot of good evidence that people with mental illness are, crea- are um, causing um, more violent havoc uh, in our streets. Uh, some, some of these uh, situations that you're alluding to uh, have certainly been caused by people with psychiatric illness not properly treated, and it has uh, provoked at least some good dialogue about um, getting better services to people, although I'm not sure that our government is acting very well on it. <laughs> I'm but not we sure should... <laughs> that they have any money to do anything at this point in time. Uh, no, that, 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 that is a problem, although, I mean, many, since it's been so difficult to um, get any kind of resolution about um, gun control, there are some people that are advocating, say, well, look, we can at least all come together on the fact that people with mental illness should, should, should get some appropriate treatment. Let's Let's not even go into the gun control debate because that that is you know so divided. Um, no, you're you're absolutely right. One of the questions that I have, I've been on the internet longer than Google, which celebrated its birthday today. They're 15. I've been doing what yeah. I've been doing for 18 years, which is amazing. But for me, in that 18 years, I've seen uh, I've seen a change in the way that people use the internet. So one of the questions that I always sort of ask myself is, what am I doing? What am I putting out there that people could be using for positive? Am I making sure that I make a positive difference? Do you see that there's been any negative impact on mental health in general because of the the social media? You know, we're not really getting those real-life interpersonal Re, uh, relationships and, and sort of dialogues that we used to have. Now everything is a quick text or a quick tweet. And I'm just wondering if, if that has hurt us in any way, generally speaking, of course. Yeah, well, I think, I think it's a mixed bag. There, there are certain elements of the Internet that have been very helpful in promoting understanding. There's a lot more information out there. You go into Google now and put in, you know, bipolar disorder, you can actually get some pretty good education and information. Uh, about it, whereas, well, let's go back 20 years. Uh, how would you get information about bipolar disorder? You have to make a special trip to the library, um, and it probably wouldn't happen. Now, I, I, I think that there's we're seeing on, on social media just today, when as you're um, promoting uh, this show, people are people are in a dialogue about it. So I, I'm, I tend to be um, pro internet and pro-social media. Um, at the same time, we do have to manage the risks that, that come with it because there's, there uh, is such a wide range of risks to talk about. Cyberbullying would be one of them, which has led to um, people mentally breaking down and, and committing suicides. There have been all kinds of stories on, on the news about, about mm-hmm. that. So 
certainly in so many areas of our life, social media and Internet technologies can be misused. But in general, I'm in favor of them because they get more information out there. We've talked, or uh, you've mentioned, I should say, several times bipolar disorder. And it just so happens that there are two different soaps right now that have storylines in which characters have been diagnosed as bipolar, which has prompted a lot of discussion from people because... Uh, you know, uh, people are very quick to use certain terms. I know that, uh, you know, people say, oh, you're so bipolar when they maybe aren't acting the way that they would typically uh, say that. The same way as people use the term, oh, that's so gay, when they, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily mean that something is homosexual. Let's right. get to the, to the chase here and, and sort of explain as best you can to all of us who are not many years in school, as you were. What does it mean to be bipolar? Well, I think you're quite right that the term is being thrown around in many different ways now. And, uh, you know, the meaning of a term can certainly shift. Bipolar now means um, you're not agreeing with me. Um, right. But uh, in, a, in a more medical, psychiatric sense, it does actually refer to a very um, uh, clearly defined mental disorder that affects approximately one, between one and three percent of the population. And it is mainly characterized by a mood and behavior disturbance. Shifts in mood between uh, depression, where people are sad, not enjoying things, tearful, hopeless, no energy, maybe even suicidal. Uh, And at the other extreme, the other pole, which is why it's called bipolar, People can become hyper-energized, uh, euphoric, uh, elated, um, believing that they have special powers, that, that they um, can achieve whatever they want to, and they may engage in some you know, really impulsive behaviors that go along with that. Traveling without making a plan, impulsive spending, hypersexuality. So... There are many different variants of bipolar. Some people will spend most of their time in a depressive episode, and all of a sudden, at some point, they'll flip into a manic state. Other people cycle very quickly, sometimes over the course of hours, between being very depressed and very energized. So there are many, many different variants of it. But basically, from a psychiatric standpoint, it refers to that kind of disturbance of mood between the two poles of depression and mania. There on The Young and the Restless, there's a character by the name of Sharon. And for those of you out there who are listening, we're, uh, <laughs> we're not exactly completely versed here on, on all of the background. We haven't fed all of that over. So uh, Dr. Merdell is going to have to sort of do a general speaking on this. But one of the things that people have commented on The Young and the Restless is that no one in this fictional town seems to have any idea that this character is... Uh, having any sort of issues. She's been diagnosed as bipolar, and she's acting very unlike herself, but yet nobody notices. Typically, if someone would be suffering from bipolar disorder, would the people in their lives and their loved ones, if they're paying attention, would they notice that there's something going on? Well, you know, it it depends what state of the bipolar they're in. Uh, And, of course, how observant their um, family and friends are. When people are depressed, it tends to be quieter. 
people are isolating themselves. They're not going out as much. They're not getting as much work done. They, um, they may sort of socially withdraw. So it's often uh, easy to miss the depression episodes. When somebody is truly manic, or as we, and some people say hypomanic, which is revving up toward a full-blown manic episode, that's kind of hard to miss. People are loud, intrusive, irritable, angry, agitated. Uh, sometimes they're really enjoying themselves, but they're 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 laughing. They're getting everyone else to laugh. You know how just some people can walk into a room, make some jokes, look, you know, really intense, and the whole room is laughing at some point. And if, if it's if it's out of character, it may suggest that the person is revving up into a manic state. So it is, it's much easier to recognize the manias than the depressions, unfortunately. Uh, but when people sink into a depression, they, they may ultimately uh, be noticed. They might, they might make a suicide attempt or something along those lines. There are many other topics, and for folks who are listening, uh, we're running a little short on this segment, so we may not get to everything that we've wanted to talk about, but that certainly then leaves a door open for you to come back. Uh, do you think that one of the lessons in all of this is not that you necessarily have to monitor everything that everyone is doing, but there is, uh, I feel, there's a level of responsibility that if you care about someone, that you should be in tune to some of these things that you notice. I mean, that was one of the, the questions that I asked you. You said, you know, if people are, are sort of paying attention. But, I mean, don't we, as loved ones, don't we bear some responsibility to make sure that we're in tune with our loved ones and what's going on? Yes, and I and I you know I think most people genuinely want you know want to help their their friends and their family, uh, and up to now there's there's been a lack of education and understanding about what the conditions really are, and this is an area where you know whether it's soap operas or movies or other um, media forms can serve to educate the public about what you know what it actually is. So you know is what Sharon's going through in The Young and the Restless if that's hooking up in some way with what's going on in real life, people who are just enjoying a soap opera uh, might actually um, you know, learn something that they could apply with a, with a friend or someone in their family at some point uh, to, you know, as you're pointing out, uh, do some early detection, early recognition, and get people, people help sooner. I think every television show in history, every dramatic show at least, maybe not our sitcoms, uh, every show has featured some sort of substance abuse story. So in, you know, in, in a couple of words, how prevalent is substance abuse today? Substance abuse is extremely prevalent. There, there are a variety of statistics. But if you look at it along with the psychiatric disorders, the numbers are very high. So if you look at people who are depressed, that predicts that probably you know, between 30 and 50% of those people will be abusing a substance. Oh. Uh, the, the absolute numbers across uh, society, you know, they can be broken down to alcohol and marijuana and some of the other drugs, but we're, we're talking double-digit percentages. And if you look in, uh, in certain communities and at certain substances within those communities, the, the rates are, are even higher. 
I want to let folks know that you have your own weekly program called Leading Minds. It's every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. rather Pacific. What are some of the topics that you talk about on your show? Well, it, it, it's a it's a diverse range of topics uh, across psychology, neuroscience, philosophy, and uh, and coaching. But they're all uh, topics that. Uh, lend themselves to human growth and human potential. So the, I, I bring on guests to discuss novel and innovative ways in the 21st century that people are reaching their full potential. So I've, I've had people that um, are executive coaching experts, uh, philosophers who uh, are bringing philosophy into, the, into counseling rooms so that they're, they're actually doing sort of therapy sessions around philosophy. Uh, we've had uh, people talking about internet-based treatments for, for depression. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun doing, doing the show, and it's a pretty diverse range of things about the human mind. My last question for you before we have to end our segment, it sort of may sound like an overly simplified question from someone without a lot of experience in the field, but we hear so much that people are you know, going to the gym and they're eating right, they're doing everything so they can maintain their, their physical health. Is there anything that the average person can do to maintain their mental health? Well, all of the things you just mentioned are also very, <clears throat> really great for mental health. One thing people often don't pay enough attention to is their sleep cycle. Uh, And disrupted sleep is a major uh, precipitant and cause for certain kinds of mental disorders. In my hospital work as a psychiatrist, I've seen countless situations where people have come in, they've made a suicide attempt or they've come close to making a suicide attempt. When you talk to them, they have been so stressed by something that they haven't slept for weeks give them some medication, help them sleep, uh, and after a night or two, they wake up and they're like, I feel fine. I'm just fine now. The suicidal thinking is completely gone. So in addition to the nutrition and the exercise, I think really paying attention to some kind of regular sleep cycle um, makes a lot of sense. Just a reminder for everybody out there, before you make any decisions about your medical care, you should consult your personal physician. And everyone, you should check out Dr. David Brindell's weekly program, Leading Minds, every Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Network's Empowerment Channel. Now, if you missed any of that information or the dates or times, don't worry, because we're going to have all the information posted on our official show page at SoapCentral.com slash radio. Dr. Brindell, I want to thank you so much for dropping by. And there are many other soap opera interesting topics to talk about. Hopefully we can convince you to come back in the future and talk about some of those too. To do that, Dan, I think what you're doing here is uh, is fascinating and also a great public service. Well, thank you so much, everybody. We are going to go back to a decidedly more soapy topic on the other side of the commercial break, your calls. So stay tuned because Soap Central Live will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than soapcentral.com. Every day, soapcentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. 
Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at soapcentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Welcome back to our group therapy session that we like to call Soap Central Live. I hope that you all enjoyed the last segment with Dr. Brendel. He will be back in the future. There's some things that we didn't get a chance to talk about, including the soap staple, the multiple personality. I think that might be some fascinating discussion. So we have some of you who are on the line who are waiting to call in and chat with us. We're going to start clearing off some of those calls in a minute, but I want to bring on someone who's going to help guide me through some of that discussion, who is a newcomer to the SoapCentral.com family and will be submitting her season one review of All My Children this weekend. She's also starting to take a look at some of the web series and primetime soaps that you guys are watching. So if there are any of those that you'd like to see us talk about uh, or on the site or here on the show, please feel free to give us a call in at 866-472-5788. But for right now, we're going to bring on Liz Fisher. Liz, welcome to Subcentral Live. Hey, Dan. Well, thank you so much for popping on here. And, and I know that we're running a little behind the, the schedule of when we, we plan to, but there's so many things that go on in the world of soaps that, you know, we don't want to use the crazy word, uh, even though <laughs> Dr. Brendel used it and, and he said he was okay with me saying it. Uh, you know, we yeah. don't like to do that, but it, you know, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. So let's briefly go through the whole uh, shebang of reviewing All My Children, One Life to Live. You've already posted a season one wrap-up of One Life to Live. I don't know if you're going to be get to do a season two column anytime in the near future. but I hope a, I do, but I know it's looking a little iffy. In a couple of words, what did you think of this, the season one of One Life to Live? You know, I I liked it as a whole. Uh, I thought it got off to a slow, sort of rocky start, but I felt by the end it was it was really picking up, and um, I thought it was exciting. I loved seeing you know some of my favorite characters back. I was a big fan of um, you know Blair and Taya and Victor, and so it was like all my favorites came back. So I was maybe a little biased to like it, but I, I thought they were in a great place for ramping up for season two. So I'm disappointed that I might not come back. Well, there will definitely, well, I should say definitely with an asterisk, be a season of all, uh, second season of All My Children. Mm-hmm. What 
is a little bit of a preview because we don't want you to give too much away since your column we posted on the <laughs> site this weekend. What are some of the things that you're going to be talking about, both good and bad, on your next column about all my children? Okay. Um, well, good. I don't think anybody can understand how excited I am that Tad Martin is apparently coming back. I'm I'm so jazzed about that. <laughs> you waited the whole season, and that's your highlight in the very last thirty seconds of the series. Come on. Yeah. Thirty seconds. Well. Um, okay. I will. I was surprised by how much I loved Colby. I think she's been um, one of the highlights of the season for me, and I did not expect to. I never was very excited about her on the. Um, on the televised version, but I just think she's been um, stellar. I really enjoyed her. So that's that's one of my highlights. That's because she is, as we call in the business, a whore. Uh, I'm, not <laughs> sure, I'm not sure what that means. But she was, uh, she was you know, uh, had a multiple, not multiple personalities, but she had multiple sides of her where she had that mm-hmm. sort of uh, uh, seductress side. But then you find out that the reason that she is that way is because she has some abandonment issues. Look at me. I spent 30 minutes talking to Dr. Brendel, and suddenly I'm shifting out uh, medical <laughs> advice here on the show. I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good idea. But transitioning a bit from that, since we know that you're going to be talking more about that in your column that's going to be posted on SoapCentral.com coming up over the weekend, let's talk about some primetime stuff. There are a lot of people who are jazzed about the fall season coming back with the new shows and new dramas, Mm -hmm. uh, Nashville and and, uh, Scandal and uh, Revenge and all these other things. What are some of your favorite primetime shows that you're excited that are coming back or maybe are back already? Uh, well, Grey's Anatomy started last night, and that was a, a pretty wild season premiere. Uh, I am excited about Once Upon a Time, which um, is coming back, I believe, this um, this Sunday. And I'm a big fan of Nashville as well, which is good, good soapy goodness. Which And a lot of these shows that you mentioned have former daytime soap stars, which makes it a win-win for everybody, right? Of course. I want to keep you here for a second, but I also want to bring in some of the folks who have been waiting on the line. We have Sasha from Brooklyn who wants to talk about General Hospital. So, Sasha, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Well, um, I have to say I'm kind of disappointed in General Hospital. Oh, no. Why are you disappointed? Carly and Franco. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people have have expressed some of their uh, disappointment that they they they've gone this route. But of course, a lot of people were really excited about the the chemistry between Laura Wright and Roger Howarth when they were Carly and Todd. I mean, do you think that this is the best way that they could have come up with to sort of recreate that on screen chemistry? What else would you have suggested they do? Not bring him back as Franco. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think that was an option. <laughs> I know people are like, he didn't get Michael Vape, but he did introduce Carter to Michael. And he stopped her infant daughter. He also tried to kill her, Jason, Sam. Um, he kidnapped Elizabeth's son, and that is Lucky, her cousin's child. I mean, he is a serial killer. And I am a Carly fan, but and I used to think she was a good mother. But now I'm going to say she has to be below Samuel's days of our lives as a mother. 
I'm going to have I, to make a note that when Dr. Brendel comes back, we're going to ask him how brain tumors affect people's uh, their, their their mental state of mind. But you know, maybe Todd or Todd. Ooh, that's a Freudian slip. Maybe Franco had. Uh, a real legitimate health reason that caused him to be such a horrible person. Can't we forgive him if it wasn't his fault? I can understand the brain, but, you know, people are always like, well, funny, alcohol and stuff, but it's still the, um, the heart. You, you have to feel something. And he enjoyed torturing people in his heart. He was giddy. It made him happy. I mean, so I understand his brain thing, but I can't get aware that he had no soul as like so. While we, since I want to make sure that we get to some of the other callers, you mentioned, uh, you know, hearts and souls. Let's talk about something that you like on General Hospital, something that you find to be the heart that makes your heart all uh, Twitter, Twitter. What are some of the things that you like on GH right now? Wow, there's so much. Um, I like Morgan. In a, I, in a I enjoy eye candy the sort of way? Okay. No, no. I enjoy the actor. I think he's a very strong actor. And I enjoyed him telling Michael off because Michael and Kiki are getting on my nerves. I don't like the name Kiki. It bothers me. You know, she was his brother's girlfriend. So I, I'm enjoying him. I'm enjoying him and Ava. They've always had chemistry. I, I want to enjoy Julian and Alexis, but Alexis is so judgmental that I don't see that last in the three she found out he's in the mob. So I'm hoping that they put him... I want them to bring on another guy for Carly. I'll bring Jack back. I don't know if we're going to bring on another guy for Carly, but we are unfortunately going to have to bring on another caller who's waiting. So I want to thank you so much for giving us a call today. And hopefully you'll call back. Yes. Wonderful. We're going to zip it back to our Liz Fisher, who is still on the line. Anything that the caller said that resonates with you? What I mean, we're talking a little bit there sort of uh, around the bush about Todd from One Life to Live wasn't really the best way that they could have handled all those three characters, but really what other option did they have? Yeah, I, I think they were in a tough spot wanting, you know, wanting to bring everybody back. And um, I was, I was very, very against Franco in the beginning, but I do think, I mean, yes, the brain tumor is sort of a ridiculous soap explanation, but I do think that is the, possibly the only way they could have, um, you know, sort of er erased the history, for lack of a better term, um, and made it believable. I I do wish they had Carly take sort of a little longer to warm up to him and sort of accept that what he had done in the past wasn't his fault. I think that would have made it easier for some of the viewers to accept that she had forgiven this guy had done such terrible things to her family and friends. Um, But I, I think it's, I think they've, They've done a relatively good job of sort of excusing and, and hand-waving his past actions. And I, I really like the chemistry between the two actors, too. So I guess I'm, I'm pretty willing to go along for the ride. Well, I don't know if they needed to go the route of a brain tumor. As we learned in the last segment, 20% of the population will suffer from depression or, or severe depression or anxiety in their life. They could have maybe come up with uh, another option, although General Hospital does have a lot of mental health issues on at the moment. I want to bring in another caller who is your cohort in Two Scoopdom and Recaps and all that other stuff, but for some other soaps. We're going to bring in Chanel Garner. Chanel, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Hey, Dan. How's it going? It's You sound like you're having a good time over there. It's going pretty good. (laughs) I'm pretty (laughs) relaxed just sitting here listening to y'all and ready to talk. 
Okay, so let's talk. One of the things that has come up, and we'll get back to Liz on this as well, but Chanel, the bold and the beautiful for a, a lot of people is really on fire. There are people who are talking about the fact that maybe in the very near future, the bold and the beautiful could go to the top of the ratings chart and surpass the young and the restless. Just things I'm seeing on the internet. What are your thoughts? How is B&B doing? Do you like it? Is it driving you crazy? Give me all the dirt. Wow. I have like the total opposite opinion. I'm, <laughs> I'm completely annoyed with every character and every plot. And if I could get on the set and punch everybody in the face and remind them of who they used to be, then I would do that. We need mm-hmm. to bring Dr. Br- we need Dr. Brendel back here for an emergency intervention. There'll be no punching, no violence. We need to calm you down. There's got to be there's got to be something that you enjoy. Otherwise, you would not continue to watch the show. I do it because I'm addicted, which is something else to talk to the doctor about. But um, I love, uh, well, today, I actually like the interaction between Wyatt and Hope today when they are going on this mysterious diamond mystery. I do like that. Um, the diamond was unexpected because they keep talking about how mysterious it is and how it's going to change lives and do 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 But when they open that box, I'm telling you, I got mesmerized. I was like, oh, my God, look at that thing. <laughs> it was beautiful. So I do like the little quest that they sent Wyatt on. I like that Liam is getting a little bit of competition, and he has to think about what he has done to Hope, and he has to think about um, maybe it being done to him or it actually is being done to him um, through Wyatt coming in and expressing. Because Wyatt is kind of like, I'm sorry, I mid-thought I just thought of something. Wyatt is kind of like exactly like Steffi. He came in the exact same way. Steffi came in, she hit her head, she was like, you know what, I'm going to get Liam and I'm going to marry Liam and this is just how it's going to be. Wyatt's come in the same way after Hope, and so now Liam's getting just a taste of his own medicine, and I have to say I do enjoy that a lot. Now, you heard Liz talk about her, she watched 40-some episodes of All My Children, and her favorite absolute moment was the final two seconds of the entire first season. <laughs> Chanel, yeah. do you have a favorite moment of All My Children's first season? Um, well, what I love about the whole first season of All My Children is anything that had to do with David Hayward. Dr. David, yes, because okay, we you know. know that I am in love with David Hayward, and he can do no wrong, but, even when he is, but it's okay. But what I really, 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 really liked and was surprising to me was his relationship with Angie. I thought that, I don't know, this season, now that she's not arguing with him so much and they're on the same side of the fence, I really, really like how they interact with each other. I love how protective David is over her. I like the arguments that him and Jesse get in over her. I think that is absolutely, like, the joy of watching the show, to watch uh, David just protect people. Um, I agree that uh, Colby was a surprise also. I love how... Um, dynamic of a character that she's become. I thought she was just going to be like that one-sided, you know, I'm just going to be, you know, a wench and that's it. But when she went in there with that makeup with Cassandra to try to help her over this whole, oh, my God, sex trafficking thing, oh, she melted my heart. I was like, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with Colby. <laughs> Let me circle back so. to Liz for a moment. You heard Chanel gush about her uh, soap opera boyfriend, Dr. David Hayward. Yeah. Do you, by chance, Liz, have an on-screen soap opera gentleman friend <laughs> that you like, <laughs> that you want to share? I do, I do. Y'all, Dan was uh, teasing me over over email because I referred to, how did I put it, my older gentleman soap opera boyfriend, uh, who is Tristan Rogers, specifically as, as Robert Scorpio on General Hospital. I am a big oh. fan. 
See, the good thing about this, I mean, if this were more of a, a Jerry Springer type of show, I would have had you both on when you both had the same affinity for the same character and let you, you know, claw it out to see who comes out on top. But it's not that, it's not <laughs> that kind of show. I got lots of them because you didn't bring up Ron Rains from One Life to Live when he came on at the end of uh, One, One Life to Live. <laughs> oh, yes. He, he was fabulous. I was so excited to see him added to the cast of One Life to Live. Yes. And I, Ron Rains is so handsome and he's just so charming and he can play any role, but I want him to end up being Alan Spaulding brought over there if they have another another season. <laughs> I don't know if we can quite arrange for that, considering that he may or may not have really, really met his demise at the end of the episode. I mean, that's the way it looked on Guiding Light, but, you know, who knows what happens over there. So let me try to come up with uh, one more thing to lead in to the next topic Chanel, are you watching any web series? We're not talking about All My Children, One Life to Live Here. We're talking about things that were maybe otherwise specifically created for the Internet. Um, well, this summer, the summer I watched Ven- Venice a little bit. Venice Beach, is that what, what it is with um, Crystal Chappelle? It is Venice, um, yes. It started, yeah, I think, I season was, four. Yeah, I watched that a little bit. And um, then I ran out of seasons on YouTube, so I stopped. <laughs> but I really enjoyed watching that. And Liz, what about you? What are some of the things that you are watching online other than uh, what we mentioned, you know, the two online soaps? Uh, well, first, can we just mention that Crystal Chappelle seems to be in every single online soap ever? I, <laughs> I never, like, I knew she was in Venice in the Grove, and then I started watching The Inn, and there she was. And I'm not complaining because I love Crystal Chappelle. Oh, I love her, but- too. I just don't know where she finds the time to be in everything. Um, so the end, I just watched the entire first season, um, and it's really a quick one to catch up with because it's I have five episodes and they're under ten minutes each. But that I think is fabulous. I'm really into that. I the only reason I stopped at the first season is because it was dark out and it was getting super creepy, <laughs> and I just needed to be watching that in the morning. Um, <laughs> So that's my recommendation if anybody else plans to watch it. And you should because it's just uh, the production I thought was great. The story is one of those that kind of messes with your head. I still don't know what was going on, but I I enjoyed it. I don't know either. I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like my life. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but one of the things that we've been asking people all week, and these will be your opportunity for your final weigh-in. I guess we'll start with Chanel on this one. We've been asking all week for folks to nominate their favorite daytime villain. By a very slim margin, Stefano Demira eked it out, and he won his place as our profile photo on Twitter and Facebook on our Soap Central pages. Who is your all-time favorite Daytime villain, not counting David Hayward, because that would be too easy. Do you have another one? You mean ever? Ever. In the history oh, man, she looked harder. Come on. Okay. That was easy. You didn't even have to think about all that. all day. <laughs> yeah. All day. So Liz, what about you? All day. Do you have a, a favorite villain? I'm going to have to go with uh, Faison on General Hospital. He's just, I, he's super creepy, but he's also usually a little bit funny, which I enjoy. Um, and Anna Devane is, you know, my favorite character, so I, I love seeing them face off against one another. Our next 
sort of poll. We're going to be posting it immediately after the show. One of the things that I like doing now is allowing fans to have the opportunity to pick who we feature in our profile photo each and every week. We like to mix it up so it doesn't get to be the same static SoapCentral.com logo. You know, it's it's what I do. Uh, keeping it spring cleaning every week. We Liz, appreciate you keeping it fresh, Dan. <laughs> I'm so glad. You know, there's a sponsorship in there from some sort of Summer's Eve product or something. I'm sure. <laughs> <in the future. laughs> uh, gosh, we've completely got off the the track here. But Liz, <laughs> do you have a favorite family? We're going to feature a photo of folks' favorite soap family, which uh, could probably be really interesting. In the past, we featured the Winters from The Young and the Restless. I think we may have also had some of the Bradys from Days of Our Lives. But in general, do you have a favorite soap family? That's hard. Would I uh, or, you want to go first? Liz um, is going sure. first. I'm, okay. I'm a little torn um, between um, the Scorpio family on General Hospital and then... Uh, like Kay and Danny and uh, Victor on uh, One Life to Live. Hmm. So we will uh, we will put that down in the little nominations category. If you're out there listening and you're wondering how you can weigh in, again, you'll be able to go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash soapcentral or our Twitter feed at soapcentral to cast your votes, and whoever gets the most votes will pop up in our little profile picture for the next week. Chanel, you've been given enough time to amply <laughs> pick I your know, choice. Right? I still Who can't choose. My two favorite families are, of course, the Spaldings from The Guiding Light. I love the Spaldings. And the Newmans from The Young and the Restless. Yep, I love the Newmans. The I'm only best <laughs> I mean, not certainly. Abbott, I do not vote for Abbott. <laughs> You got that? Uh, certainly a lot of people will have maybe they're the easy one. I mean, I call them easy choices because they're the names that you automatically think of. You do think of Quartermains. You think of Spaldings. You think of uh, Newmans and the, you know, the Lords. There are these names that come up. Would there be any lesser-known family that you can come up with that you really have an affinity for? Maybe a family that you think is often... Overlooked. And I'm thinking all my children fans may automatically come up with the Kane women, which is, is certainly a, a valid mm-hmm. and very good option. Liz, do you have anybody, any families that don't get the love that they deserve? Oh um, well, I don't know if they don't get the love that they deserve, but I think um, you know Cassandra, Angie, and Jesse really sort of stole the season on all my children uh, this year, and they're a fabulous family. Chanel. No, I don't know, because I was thinking of the Coopers, maybe, from the Guiding Light. Ooh, maybe that's a good get... option, too. <laughs> yeah, the Coopers was a nice little family, and I don't know if they got overshadowed too much by all the other bigger ones, like, um, you know, the Spaldings, for example. <laughs> I've, I've realized we only have maybe two minutes or so, but uh, that's a not enough time for another caller, so I'll keep you guys for one last question, something that... We talked about earlier in the show, and now we're hopefully removed enough away from it that we can jest about it. Who's your favorite crazy person on the soaps? We're not using that word. We're going to say person with mental health issues. Do you have a favorite mental health issue person, Liz? You have to. 
Um, I do. I was really, really fond of the Connie personality before she was integrated. I was, too. She was too. so much fun. <laughs> A lot of people didn't like her. They thought that she was sort of, I don't know what the word would be that they would use, but a lot of people didn't like her. I thought she was entertaining. Oh, yeah, she was delightful. I lived for her scenes. Chanel, do you have a mental well, I don't know. Does this person count for it? Adam Newman? Because <laughs> I think Adam is mental. Oh, I think he's Lord. completely mental. <laughs> You've just blown up our Twitter and Facebook feeds. I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> but I love him. But he is totally mental from all the way back when he... Had that affair with the lawyer, what's his name, uh, Rafe, the Rafe. male, all the way from there when he tried to do that, all the way up to now when he's trying to be a father and he's torn between, uh, you know, getting back at Chelsea. Just everything that Adam's been through should have made him mental. <laughs> <laughs> now Chanel is playing doctor as well. You know, it's, it's the reason I asked one of the very first questions when Dr. Brindell was here earlier in the show. One of the first questions I wanted to know is, should I feel bad that I love all of these people who are portrayed as being crazy or having all of these issues? They're the characters that I seem to gravitate towards the most. And he said that he likes it, too. He finds some – he even said that there's some real-life people that, <laughs> that he enjoys. So, I mean, they they do make for great soap. They do, like Sharon. Like, we were discussing Sharon in an email, like, she has gone so far off her rocker, she's got to be on the moon by now. And talking to her daughter, um, the dead daughter now, about <laughs> about how she's going to get back with Nick and she's off her meds. And Sarah needs some serious help. And I love her. I've always loved Sharon. Well, I want to thank both of you for taking some time out to chat about pretty much anything that popped into my mind. It really was sort of a, oh gosh, here we go, a manic show towards the <laughs> second half here. Liz, thank you so much. I look forward to reading your All My Children season one wrap up coming up this weekend. Thank you. And Chanel, as always, and actually for both of you, you'll both be back here for the year-end show coming up in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, whatever, between friends. So I look forward to that as well. All right, everybody. That means... thank you. (laughs) Thank you both. That means that we have come to the end of this week's shrink-wrapped show. A special thank you to all of our guests this hour, Dr. David Brendel, Liz Fisher, Chanel Garner, everyone who called in and participated on Twitter or Facebook to join in the discussion. If you'd like any additional information about any of the topics that we discussed on today's show, or if you'd like to listen to the show again, just head over to our official show page at SoapCentral.com slash radio. While you're there, you can listen to any episode that we've ever broadcast. It's closing in on 200 shows now. It's on demand. It's all completely free. You can stream them or download them, take them Anywhere that you can go, if you downloaded the new fancy iOS 7 or whatever it is, you can listen to it there, I'm sure. Next week, we have One Life to Live in Guiding Light star Jerry Verdorn, who'll be here to talk to us about his annual charity fundraiser for the American Cancer Society, Daytime Stars and Strikes. That's my understanding that there are still a few tickets available for this event. So if you'd like to go, it's Sunday, October 13th in New York City. Head over to DaytimeStarsAndStrikes.com for more information. Or if you can't remember that, you can go to our official show page, as I mentioned, SoapCentral.com slash radio. We've got all the information there. You can go and bowl with some of your favorite daytime stars. There's an absolute amazing lineup. And the word on the street is that there will be some of those stars will be surprising us next week with calls in to the show. So I don't know who they're going to be. You may want to tune in. You'll definitely want to tune in to check out what's going on. 
They are about to play me off the stage here, so I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you all for your support. We're going to see you here again next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for the continuing saga that we like to call Soap Central Live. Have a great week, everybody. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.